and welcome to the She's Friendly podcast, where I expand on some of the bits and pieces in the newsletter. I'm Courtney King. Today, it is just me. It is just you and me. I don't have a clear or strict approach I want to create this episode with, other than going through the November 1st newsletter and just kind of seeing where something wants to be talked about. Starting off, I'm going to read the poem that opened the November 1st newsletter. It automatically feels really embarrassing. I think uh, poetry, reading it out loud, thinking about teenagehood, but I also feel like poetry sort of deserves to be read out loud. It deserves to be, I don't know, knocking against people's bodies in a room. So here, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it to you. Stopping in to feel connected to you as I pass by another butte. We write letters to each other, and when I return to them, I actually feel them. It's hard to feel everything, to get everything in, but the effort of trying might be the point. Something about big stuff makes me feel big stuff, makes me feel small, Always newly born, always ancient, moving along with the wind, but almost always against it. Let's hold hands as the wind reddens our cheeks, as things grow bigger and the start deepens. There you go. You just had a poem read to you by me. I had a WordPress in high school that I published my little poems on. I also had a diary journal I would write in every day. Writing was a primary way for me to process feelings, events, stuff inside. I still write, I just don't write in the same way, and I certainly don't write poetry, other than I guess this one right here that I just read to you. I think I originally got into poetry because of one poet named Anise Mojgani. He had a poem called Shake the Dust. He had a couple other ones that really absorbed me. I met him once, and it felt really, it just felt very wild, and I felt all the ages of myself at once. But the way that he writes poetry and spoke and speaks poetry really caught me. And I think it inspired me to figure out what was inside. The WordPress is a little bit embarrassing, but I'm at least glad that I was doing something for myself. (laughs) Something did shift eventually. I don't really resonate or find myself pulled towards poetry anymore, but I still believe in what it did for me as a teenager. I had a lot of, well, I suppose I will start this just with a soft trigger, but I started writing poetry and I think very hardcore dedicating myself to my journal because I had a lot of suicidal ideation, depression, anxiety, Uh, low self-esteem. 
some of these things kind of come with being a high school student. And some of it, I just, it's just who I was and needed to grow to understand more. Anyway, uh, I used writing to figure those things out. It, at this point, makes it very difficult to go through my old journals, though. (laughs) Um, But I did that for myself. So there you go. Anyway, back to the poem of November 2023. I wrote this poem when I was on my honeymoon with my partner. We were in Iceland and we spent part of it in Reykjavik and part of it driving the southern coast of Iceland all the way down to what is claimed to be the largest glacier in Europe. It was pretty big. And we split driving a bunch. And on one of those driving legs, I thought of this poem. I was looking at all these vast open areas, all this volcanic rock, all this moss, and these huge mountains in the distance or buttes. And I was also thinking of this, you. I was thinking of my partner of us having gotten married and how space exists between people and is kind of negotiated between people and how that negotiation brings us close and far. And I guess negotiation kind of makes it sound somewhat negative or complicated or, I don't know, maybe too lawyery. <laughs> but I mean that as there are these little spokes that we put out to one another to connect. And I guess that's what I was thinking about when I started writing that poem in my head on that drive. And then it came to here, to you, to us. And I really don't know why I I had the instinct to write a poem, but maybe that's what happens when you're just really in nature. I think a lot of famous writers could probably back that up. But this is my one little contribution. And I hope you felt it, but I do feel simultaneously that kind of like squeaky teenage embarrassment about having put emotions into a poem. So I guess let's hold all of it. And I just hope that you feel connected to. Moving on to Listed. Listed is special this month because I can refer to last year, which means I've been doing this for a year. So happy anniversary. Last first November, I did Listed and I did the same thing in it. It's actually a tradition. So my partner and I, we watch a bunch of scary movies. We rate them. And last year it debuted. And this year it's back. Sometimes we are more rigid with our parameters. We have tried to watch 20 to 31 movies. We have set decades. We've set vibe. This year, I think just because of both pure exhaustion and sort of the movies that we ended up watching, we just we just watched what arose, what came to our minds, what was being shown in an ad. And we were like, okay, 
I will watch that. So the list is shorter. The movies are less curated, but it's it's just still fun. So I'm going to read through them and I'm going to rejudge them. First, top movie, Rosemary's Baby, 1968. Apparently there's a 2014 one with Zoe Saldana, which I will not be watching. Sorry. This movie is beautiful and unsettling. And what I said is the cinematic encapsulation of gaslighting. Watching Rosemary's Baby is like, you know, when you're in a conversation with someone who's just so steadfast in telling you that what you are perceiving or noticing or, or like the hard fact in front of you, they're just like, no, no. And watching that movie kind of is that feeling. It's low level just all the way through and it's so wild how it concludes. Uh, Second movie, The Boogeyman. This is a good movie. It's weird. We set it at number two, but it has that guy from the Mindy Project in it. I don't remember his name, but he plays a dad in this one and I don't mind it. This movie is about grief and family and I really don't understand the monster in it, but I I wouldn't I wouldn't want to meet it. And it is one of those movies where it is one of those scary movies where they kind of get the monster and then at the end the movie's like, did they? So there's that. Third movie, The Exorcist, 1973. This is honestly part of the reason why we watched fewer movies. The feeling this movie gave me and my partner, it's so unsettling. It's so deep. It's like a little disease that slowly creeps up on you. And there's all these lines in the movie where you suddenly just kind of remember them. I'm not going to say any of them right now. They're also pretty graphic, but yeah, there's just, it's just, it's just an intense movie. And I fully expected to not like it or to feel too scared to watch it, but I really actually liked it in the way that you don't really like a scary movie sometimes. Yeah. Number four, The Haunted Mansion, 2023, not the one with Raven Simone in it. This one has an incredible cast and they are doing very good work. Um, I think that is the reason why the movie is so good. I am not a Disney head, so I can't comment on any of the Disney uh, stuff, but like, I don't know. I thought it was better than I expected it to be funner and deeper. Although there are some just like pieces where you're like, I, I really don't know why this was made. Number five, talk to me. The first word I have written here is disappointing exclamation point. The plot unravels and the big bad just felt incredibly ageist. And when I finished the movie, although the acting was really good, the main actor had a super engaging face and her eyes were kind of like suck you in, even if they are demonic at some points. Um, But you finish it and you're just like, I, I actually don't know why the big bad existed. I don't know what it wanted, and I don't know why it had to conclude the way it did. And that's not necessarily bad, but it just, I think over time, it just kept falling apart in my head as I went through it. 
And therefore, it's further down on the list. Number six, Orphan First Kill, baby. Uh, yeah. Why did they make this movie? Why did they put Julia Stiles in it? Why did they make the first movie uh, known as Orphan? Anyway, it's a prequel. You don't have to see the other one. Uh, the main character has definitely aged and they try to de-age her, but it's okay. Um, there, there, there are some really funny twists in here. And I, I would say that if you're looking to watch a bad, good, scary movie, watch Orphan First Kill, if not just for Julia Stiles, who, who does a, a great, great job in this one. Number seven, totally killer. Honestly, I don't really remember this movie. I know it's on Amazon Prime, and I know it has the girl from the Netflix version of Sabrina in it, who I think is pretty cute. It's like a little slasher movie. It's like a little 2023 slasher movie. It's not very deep. It, there's not much to like look for in it. You're just kind of watching it unfold. It really reminded me of Happy Death Day, if you haven't seen that. It's okay. I think you can either pass on this movie or if you kind of want some, I think it's 80s, 80s vibes, then do this. Uh, the last movie on the list is No One Will Save You. And <laughs> the first thing I've written is No Good. So yeah, that's how I really did feel. I like the main actor. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but I I think it's Caitlin Dever, and she was in, let me just place her. She was in Booksmart, so put that in your brain. I just, I found this movie way too overindulgent in all the wrong ways. They have a really limited script, as in the main character doesn't really talk, and that's meant to be interesting, but it's not really. Um, it's kind of an end-of-the-world movie, and then they make a really strange Stepford Wives choice at the end, which when I looked it up to read about it, because it was so off-putting, it's kind of positioned as like, they wanted to do that. They wanted to surprise you. They wanted to have that weird feeling at the end. And I guess it just, it just didn't feel right. But maybe you'll watch it and we'll spar back and forth about our thoughts. Moving into Bookshelf. For November 1st, I listed my upcoming Next Up books, which I will now confirm if I've actually read. First was Wild from Lost to Found in the Pacific Crest Trail by Cheryl Strayed. This I have actually started. I am probably um, an hour or so away from finishing it. I think this book, just from where I'm at right now, gets sadly summarized as lady does heroin, lady goes on hike to find oneself. And I just, it's so much thicker than that. I really love the mundaneity of some of it, where you're just reading along with her hike, with her experiences, with the moments where she doesn't rise to the occasion and then she pulls herself up. It's just a lot of humanity. And I love the complicated relationships she has, at least at this point, with her ex-husband, with, I guess you could call him 
her lover and her family, her her mom, her stepdad, her siblings. The way that Cheryl Strayed writes it is just it feels really close. And again, like it, it's it's so plain. It's not it's not made very large. Like she's really just writing how it is. Um, and I guess that's why I like it. It's like reading someone's curated diary. And I I don't know, I just appreciate how regular that is. Next up was The Great Transition by Nick Fuller Guggins. I read this book. I picked it up, I devoured it, and then I put it down. And then I looked at it lovingly. I really liked this book. It's told through two perspectives through the daughter and the dad. And then there are these chunks woven through where the daughter is writing a report for school and it has a transcript of her talking to her mother. So then you get the mother's perspective as well. And I just really loved this family and I loved the the world that was built. And I really loved the breakdown and the details of what happens when climate change happens. Um, Not that it isn't happening now, but where when it really just like knocks you down and what happens with humanity, what happens with capitalism and what happens when people kind of fight back. The perspectives of the three characters are what really gives it so much goodness and as a reader makes you think about how it divides people and brings them together. That's it. That's the November 1st newsletter as talked through by me. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for being here. This has been an episode of the She's Friendly podcast, and I'm Courtney King. You can subscribe to the newsletter at She's Friendly substack.com and find me on instagram at courtney fj king thank you for reading and thank you for listening